Hi, Neil. Hi, yeah. Thanks for agreeing to talk with me today. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, no problem. So um, you are in the UK and you were telling me about an experience where you decided to go back to school and become a therapist and what happened during the course of your training. Could you? Yeah. When was that? And, and what, what made you interested in going to school for, for therapy? Um, so I, about five years ago, so in my early forties, I was having a really, really difficult time, including like, small episodes of psychosis. And that was due to years and years of issues from childhood onwards. Um, and one of my friends, um, she was in therapy at the time and recommended that um, I contact her therapist, which I did. Um, and over that next year, um, it was an absolutely amazing sort of number of breakthroughs. That, um, that process of therapy um, was the very first times I felt really listened to. Um, got to explore things I didn't understand in myself without shying away from them or mm -hmm. turning away from them. Um, just felt accepted for whatever I had to say. Mm -hmm. um, and after about a year, I felt like an, an entirely new person. I stayed in therapy for another four years after that because there was still a lot to work through. Mm -hmm. But after that, at the, at the end of that first year, my therapist asked me, you know, uh, what makes you happy? And I still wasn't really able to answer the question. But I had an inkling that the process I was going through was making me happy. And mm -hmm. so I sort of spoke to that. Um, and then probably about six months after that, I said, I've been really interested in, in maybe becoming a therapist. And, um, and that was partly because I really enjoyed that one-to-one -one interaction. Mm -hmm. um, and partly because I felt such deep gratitude for how she had helped me overcome such difficult problems and discover myself more mm -hmm. that I wanted to be able to do that for anybody else on the planet that needed that which is most people so I thought right you know I could do something really good in life mm -hmm. I could take all of the difficulties I've experienced and turn them into something of value to myself and to others um so I asked where she'd trained um, and then I applied to the same training center and I did their first year, which is a foundation mm -hmm. course. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely loved it. Um, so the foundation course is an interest, very interesting style of therapy. So therapy in the UK is not regulated. It's not clinical. Okay. Um, um, so this particular course covered clinical approaches such as say Freud, um, Carl Jung, Mm -hmm. Melanie Klein so it covered childhood development mm -hmm. um, it also covered humanistic approaches so um, people like Rogers and Gestalt like Fritz Perls but it's also it's a, what's called a transpersonal course mm -hmm. so it included um, Islamic Sufism Gnostic Christianity Buddhism Taoism and alchemy mm -hmm. um, so all of these approaches are brought together and the transpersonal side the spiritual side of the therapy is um and understanding that what many of us experience as crisis whether it's neurosis or psychosis or any sort of feelings of failure um could be in understood 
as spiritual breakthrough. So an opportunity that we would experience as a very maybe even life-threatening challenge or identity challenge. Mm -hmm. Maybe actually our inner self growing and trying to expand beyond the boundaries of our own ego and experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I found that very attractive because it, it meant all of the really, really difficult times became meaningful mm -hmm. and became an opportunity to grow. And it treated everybody um, just as who they were as an individual, because everybody's so fundamentally different mm -hmm. and everyone's experience is so fundamentally different mm -hmm. that you know, what, what I was going through was my own growth as a spiritual being and a human being um and that's going to be very different from the person sitting next to me and you feel like that individualism was recognized in the program yeah very much I mean it was a very liberal program and that suited me down to the ground um it's very much about you know everybody fundamentally is a spiritual being mm -hmm. um everyone's experience is also fundamentally different mm -hmm. but what's shared is that is the soul and mm. therefore um recognize always see the soul in the person in front of you always see the soul mm -hmm. um that sounds lovely you, it is it's a really yeah. really beautiful approach yeah. yeah um learned so much in that first year um so after that first year and i remained in therapy the whole time so mm -hmm. i was continuing in my own development um i wanted to take a four-year master's program mm -hmm. um it's not cheap i think it's cheaper than in the u.s it's probably like six thousand seven thousand dollars a year it's yeah. probably quite reasonable for it compared yeah, to what you guys are a paying. little cheaper but that's still expensive <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the, the opportunity for financial support in the uk is less so even through like student loans it's just okay. less opportunity mm -hmm. um and i didn't have a very well-paid job so i took my it's savings investment for you yeah really really big it was like this is not just something that I want to do this is also a, a career change and mm -hmm. there was an element of risk in that yeah I had to use my I hesitate to say life savings because it wasn't very much but what I had yeah um plus work full-time mm -hmm. uh, and see clients and travel three hours every week to the training center after work mm -hmm. um so there was a lot of commitment plus weekend training yeah. um that is a lot but I yeah it, it was it was a but it was felt so worth it mm -hmm. so I went on to the master's program I did the first year and again just thoroughly loved it mm -hmm. there was people from all over the world that were part of the course different ages different backgrounds um it was really really blended but, and that meant we had all of these different perspectives coming in and, and you know friendships were formed and mm -hmm. um people shared their stories and, and helped each other mm -hmm. as well as learn. It sounds like a then wonderful process thinking, to go through. Yeah, I, I, I think it was, um, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for those first few years. Yeah. Like they were really magical. Uh, and I learned an incredible amount, not only about myself, but about people mm -hmm. uh, and what people face. And it, so it really opened me up mm -hmm. to, seeing beyond the initial differences in people to what the sort of deeper connection we have and then being able to kind of zoom back out and say right we mm -hmm. are unique and different because mm -hmm. we all have very different experiences um but we are all connected at a very fundamental level which is really very beautiful and and that is that shared humanity 
-hmm. and that doesn't that that's to me at least what I was experiencing and what my peers seemed to experience was that um it doesn't really matter where you come from or what your experience was we all got something deeply meaningfully meaningful that we share and then everything on top of that which is life experience mm -hmm. um is what makes us appear different mm -hmm. um, so far what you're describing sounds like how i would love to have therapists trained that sounds yeah. like a beautiful grounding yeah and, like, go ahead sorry no 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 i'm just i, I just think that sounds like a, a a lovely foundation and um learning environment and just Mm. just beautiful so do you feel like when did that start to when was something jarring for you what happened that that deviated from that for you and your program okay so I guess this was the very first years of I think it was 2017 mm -hmm. and then I studied through 2018 okay um but I got made redundant from the job I was in Okay. So I spoke to the college and said, look, I can't afford to continue the program. Can I take a, a break? And they mm -hmm. said, of course, but happy to have you back when you're ready. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I found another job, started saving again. Um, but it took me two years. So I took all of 2019 and 2020. I wasn't in study. Okay. Saved up enough money to come back and finish the program spoke to the college and said can I come back and they said well a two-year break is quite big so we're going to ask you to resit that first year okay um but we're not going to charge you for it we okay. just want you to re-embed into a group and just make sure that that learning hasn't been lost and you can do that for free which is just like an amazing offer so this was like yeah. the beginning of 2021 okay so this that was, was like the that. same you got to repeat all of that same coursework then but two years uh, down the road yeah Okay. Not the two years of it, the second year of it. The, oh, so, okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, I went back and of course I was familiar with the course because I'd sat, sat that year once before and I was like, oh, this is going to be a little easier for me <laughs> than yeah. maybe my peers, right? <laughs> um, but I was so excited about getting to meet a new group of people mm -hmm. uh, and go through the learning and and just like, uh, you know, maybe deepen my understanding of, of what I'd previously learned. Mm -hmm. And that, it started off really well. Mm -hmm. It was a bit different, like, um, okay, so the so the gentleman that um, set up that particular college, he paid for it all himself. He used to, um, I think he was a professor of neuroscience at Harvard, and I think he was also, um, was it, is it Echelon, the, the place in San Francisco, the, back in the 70s? Mm -hmm. So I think he was like with Ram Dass and people like that. He okay. had his own spiritual okay. awakening. Yeah. He left the world of, oh, it was physics that he used to teach. He left the world of physics to focus on psychotherapy and spiritual healing. Okay. Um, and he was our lecturer on dream analysis, which was another really wonderful course that we did, mm -hmm. and spiritualism. Um. And so he introduced those topics in the first week. And I noticed a very different reaction amongst about half the student body, hmm. which was um, that they didn't feel it was inclusive enough of non-Western ideas, even hmm. though it was primarily Islamic Sufism hmm. and Daoism, but there was still that's to them too much Christianity and other stuff. I thought, well, that's okay. different, it's interesting, it should be, you know, make for good discussion. And these criticisms were from the students, you say? yeah from the students okay. and and quite vocal 
Um, but I think part of that might be because it was on Zoom and it's a lot easier to be vocal when you can just type it in the chat. Okay. Um, yeah. When you're actually in the room with a human being and and you sense their, you know, how genuine they are in what they're trying to say. Mm -hmm. So I think that softens people's reactions when you're present with someone. I think so. Um, so the course was going fine, really. It was a bit different, but I just figured different body of people. Also, you know, um, I think COVID had already started then, so there was people were concerned and worried, and there was additional anxiety in mm -hmm. general. Mm -hmm. um, and then, probably like I think it was on about April 2021, um, we got a, an email from the college saying that there was an additional weekend that wasn't scheduled, that okay. was mandatory that we attended. Okay. Um, and it was called Alchemy and the Other. Okay. And so alchemy, I thought was, I've always found a very interesting topic and part of my therapeutic process, the, the idea of bringing together the opposites and, and bringing them together to synthesize into something new. Mm -hmm. um, and it also describes the sort of quite difficult process of when you start to break down the kind of traumatic material inside of you. It's, it's very uncomfortable to do that. Um, so it really holds that really well. So it's about containment. Mm -hmm. um, so I was quite excited about the weekend um, and so we attended the weekend mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't about alchemy at all mm. um, the topics were um, it was labeled as kind of diversity um, equality and inclusion rather than equity um, so, um, so was it was a GPI training disguised as it was, alchemy yeah, um, which was mandatory and not part of the course that we paid for. Okay. But everyone attended in good faith, as far mm -hmm. as I could tell. I certainly attended in good faith. And, um, but it kind of opened up um, with some really strange material around whiteness, okay. um, blackness being what whiteness isn't, that being black is defined as being the opposite of being white and then and I was like, I don't even know what whiteness is. Like, <laughs> what are we actually talking about here? Lots of assumptions were laid. Right. Um, that sounds really vague. It, well, it was very vague. And um, there never was an explanation, really, of what whiteness was. There was um, a, there was some slides about white supremacy. Okay. And that was the only sort of offering towards what whiteness might be. So it, it felt like... Well, the only interpretation you could have taken from the content was that whiteness is what most people would reasonably call white supremacy. So like, you know, quite really seriously nasty stuff. Okay. Um, and, and blackness was the opposite. So whiteness uh, is this just oppressive bad thing. And so blackness would be a good and maybe victimized thing. I yeah. I don't want to um, put words in, in there that aren't. Well, I, I could show you the slide if you okay. like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so if I do a screen share, um, I hope I'm allowed to show this content. Um, so this okay. is from your program? Yeah, this is from the program. Okay. Um, oh, it just began, again, what is racism? Prejudice plus power divided by othering, which I don't really understand. It's sort of, it's not really quantitative mm. maths to understand racism, but this bit here I mean in this top section this is just like you know 
Yeah, that's awful. This is not. This is obviously white supremacy. Yeah. Um, and then, interestingly, there was a lot of stuff that was US centric, despite the fact that we're in the UK. Yeah. And it wasn't oh. really really relevant to us. Um, and it gets down to things like denial of white privilege or what about me? Um, but we're just. This was interesting, but we're just one. So where the course had been teaching the, the, mm. the underlying unity of humanity mm. that was now being interpreted as covert white supremacy mm. and this is the only information put forward as to what being white or whiteness might be and that, that blackness was the opposite of this self-appointed um, white ally what is that that seems like what they're asking people to be and so that's interesting that that's put in as covert white supremacy that feels like a real like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah, I guess um, it's the self, maybe it's the self-appointed, maybe you only get to be an ally if um, if somebody some, else if somebody else says that you can be. Okay, um, Assuming that good intentions are enough, there's also another one that was okay. quite interesting because there's this intent and impact conversation that yeah. came up later in the course. Interesting. Um, and another one that I thought was very interesting was what is racial trauma and symptoms include fear, hypervigilance, insomnia, body aches, memory difficulty, self-blame, confusion, shame, and guilt. And I'd say I could be I experienced all of those. <laughs> yeah, that could be, yeah, it could apply to just about anybody yeah. at some point in their life. Yeah, I, I grew up in an area there where there was quite a bit of violence um, and um so hypervigilance was, is quite normal. Well, yeah. It, it, nothing to do with, with color, color at all. Or, yeah. But yeah, so there was, a, there was a lot of reframing of what would, I'll stop the slide share now. There's a lot of reframing of what would have been taught as being common experiences mm -hmm. that you're likely to meet in a clinical setting or rather in a therapeutic setting. Mm -hmm um so to be aware of them so that you know how to be with somebody that's experiencing that and different ways you might explore what that is for them mm -hmm. um gets reframed as if the person isn't white then this is racism mm -hmm. um so it was bringing in a very specific perspective of the causation for people's um say traumatic experience or some of these things like guilt and shame isn't trauma mm -hmm. necessarily mm -hmm. but the reasons that a person may come to therapy if that person is not white almost all of it lands on racism all of a sudden so was that was that something that you were talked about in terms of how you would communicate with the client um we didn't do too much of that in this first weekend what they hoped to do was run a, another weekend to maybe go a bit further Okay. Um, it was so over a period of two days, we covered uh, racism, ableism, mm -hmm. um, um, gender related issues, mm -hmm. um, feminism in particular, in particular, fourth wave feminism in particular, um, neurodiversity, mm -hmm. um, but always in the in the same sort of framing um, that. Um, anybody that identified um, or anyone that you could identify 
as being a member of a, a uh, I'm going to say oppressed group, but this is intersectional language. Um, maybe um, minority or marginalized would be slightly more accurate because it depends on your setting. So if, if yeah. you're in Nigeria and you're white, then you're the, a minority, right? But if you're in the UK and you're white, you're a majority. So right. it's kind of setting orientated. But anyone that is um, not part of the, the broader social grouping, mm -hmm. um, their causes of pain and suffering and trauma and their reasons for being in therapy mm -hmm. are going to be because of their identity, as opposed to it might be because they were hit by a bus and they're still traumatized by that. Yeah. Part. So, so it seems very simplistic compared to what you were learning previously. Yeah, I've, and also felt um, in you know, quite displaced and in opposition to what we were learning because yeah. we had been learning about the underlying uh, commonality of humanity, mm -hmm. um, which becomes the basis for being able to understand difference as being pretty much just surface and 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 not necessarily uh um something that carries enough social value to be to be used for or against a person right so something like racism is the application of social value to race yeah um, that's um, well put so what we were learning learning prior was to undo that mm -hmm. by recognizing the humanity in, in every individual and it and the uniqueness of the individual experience that needs to be honored and understood so that the person in front of you is understood as the person in front of you and not as just a broad set of categories that happen to overlap. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's a direct contradiction. It's a direct contradiction <laughs> and it was intersectionality that is the framework that was used for that weekend because intersectionality overlays identities mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to try to narrow down into the into a, a human being is yeah. A plus B plus C plus D, or where these things meet. Um, Did they do anything so to try to bridge that gap and try to explain why, how this made sense in the, within the broader context of your studies? Or did they just let this stand alone by itself? Um, I'm just going to have a quick flick through some of the notes that I took during the training because I made you know, as much attempt as I could to make sense of the training and see what was useful and mm -hmm. uh, because i figured there's got to be some useful stuff in there and there is there is some useful stuff in within that even within that weekend mm -hmm. um but what i actually what i found generally was that what they tried to reframe say the work of carl jung we so we do a lot of dream we did a lot of dream analysis in this training center mm -hmm. and carl jung is um quite prominent in dream analysis um and in alchemy actually um so that but then it was kind of like reframing Jung as 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 if Jung was an intersectional feminist or Jung was um it would rather than saying read Jung just read Jung just get yeah. a book written by Jung and read it it they was like to tell you how to understand Jung through the lens of intersectionality okay. and and so then it was co-opting all of this stuff that came before but this current wave of identity politics and social social mm -hmm. justice mm -hmm. so content wise it was quite removed from everything we'd learned mm -hmm. um 
and then there was the actual experience of the weekend itself so um for example when they talked about um blackness being what whiteness isn't mm-hmm. uh, one student kind of uh, well, we got to ask questions at the end of the of a set of slides for example of a presentation mm-hmm. and so one student um, who was from China said I just want to say that during the presentation you spoke about um, people being made invisible mm-hmm. yet you only spoke about black people and white people and I'm Chinese we're like almost half the world and we're completely excluded from any of this like we're not people of color we're Chinese like like it's quite, we've got our own identity there and we're not included and they were and the response was kind of like yeah thanks for your comment okay and and, and no no further okay. comment interesting yeah and we did that one of those privileges privilege exercises um like a walk of shame type of thing where mm-hmm. um you are you have to answer a series of questions and score yourself in terms of privilege mm-hmm I scored extremely low um, and they didn't quite understand how that happened so I just explained like this is what happened in as I grew up this is where I grew up this is the kind of like Mm -hmm. poverty and various other things Um, and it didn't fit the narrative very well Mm -hmm. so that so that was just kind of um, left just okay then but if somebody said something that was validating to the training material, then they would be sort of center staged and occasionally even like physically applauded by the trainers oh, and clapped wow. for their bravery. And wow. So with you and with the Chinese student, you both said something that they didn't have an answer for in their framework. And so it was yeah. just like, okay, thanks. Next. Yeah. Yeah. Dismissed. Dismissed, yeah. And then the other thing that was really, really very different, I don't know if you recall, but I, when I was talking about the first two years of my training experience, mm-hmm. um, we, we a lot of the material will is emotionally evocative. Uh, I don't like the word trigger, triggering. I yeah. think that's a loaded word. Yeah, overly used, yeah. And, um, but it genuinely emotionally evocative. So you really can fall into your own experience and and start re-experiencing things that were very upsetting. Yeah. Um. So yeah. whenever we did any training, um, there would always be little breakouts. So, so you say there's a group of twenty, and then you break out into groups of four or five, mm-hmm. and maybe talk a little bit about your personal experiences or how you understand the material that we've just been taught. And yeah. those breakouts would be facilitated by somebody experienced mm-hmm. either a graduate or someone near the end of their course or another trainer okay to uh, sort of um, to sort of facilitate and smooth out or or help people process or what was to that? help people process really okay. yeah I think okay. that's the best way to say it so when something come up did we, to make sure that person had room okay to go through that with respect from everybody else and mm-hmm. offer that person maybe the opportunity if they needed to to just step away okay or yeah. or to remain and explore it if they wished and basically kind of what do you need in this moment yeah um and then also to make sure that that the end of say that 10 minute or 20 minute session ended with people being able to come back to being relatively grounded so kind of the way you would with the therapy session yeah. as you get near the end of it you don't leave somebody in a state of high yeah. anxiety and go right thanks see you next week you, know, <laughs> you, you help them land into yeah. okay so I can still leave the building and and get in my car safely like I'm not right be crying I'm not falling apart right yeah, yeah. like yeah. that's part of the containment you help people come mm-hmm. back to 
to a place where they can function mm -hmm. if that's you know, the minimal that you want for a session to end with so each of our little breakouts was held in that way mm -hmm. right? so it felt like, safe for want of a better word mm -hmm. um you could be vulnerable and still be okay mm -hmm. on this particular weekend the breakouts were not facilitated and then people would actually get upset understandably Mm -hmm. that was not contained we didn't have the skills as new trainees to really help each other out through that um, then we'd be invited back to share the experiences and those that were most uh, let's say um, in alignment with the theory presented and mm -hmm. emotionally evoked okay would be given again kind of like applauded for their uh, mm -hmm. for being in a, in, a, in a bit of an emotional mess okay. and then they just kept stacking it so then they did when they were going to the next session and it would be a little bit more edgy than the previous one so yeah. the very first one started off with kind of like oh some of this is contentious material but I think there's something to learn here yeah by the time we got near the end of the second day they were sort of talking about national health service as being a eugenics program that was um and that disabled people were thrown downstairs in wheelchairs and just stuff like this oh wow so that even find really... any evidence for truth yeah that's pretty extreme yeah and people were crying by the end of the second session like second day people were bursting into tears and like half the group were like one into i think they they ended with um you know we we need to stamp our boots on the ground in the name of social justice and it was like okay this is this oh, is political wow. indoctrination this isn't this isn't therapy at all wow. and you've got like probably half of the students who are very on board with this because i think they arrived at the in the course already having um maybe an understanding of the ideas of social justice or support for the the way in which social justice is being put forward at the moment I, i'm more of a martin luther king kind of you know social justice civil rights movement rather than political identity um and so, then the, many others were kind of finding themselves a little bit not part of the in group okay so I, I noticed quite a bit of sort of people saying oh i want to acknowledge my privilege and do better and then kind of looking around to be applauded and feel part okay. of the in group because it was clear that that was where the reward was yeah that's where the reward was yeah and did you notice many students or or yourself were there many that had anything to say for the other side or for not not that there's two sides but anything to say that countered some of this the stuff that was being yeah. taught did anybody speak up besides yourself and the um the chinese student to ask those questions about how this doesn't fit this narrative yeah, there was, I think, maybe two other students out of a group of about 48. Oh, maybe wow. Four, so four in total out of 48. Um, wow. So quite a small percentage, but still, um, I noticed it more in, in the groups, in the breakouts where there were less people. Um, there was one person that really spoke up um, quite clearly, quite well articulated. Um, saying that what we were doing were um, reinforcing the divisions that we spent decades trying to overcome, mm -hmm. um, making salient the differences between people in a way to weaponize it rather than making salient the differences in people to celebrate the difference in people. Yeah. Um, so rather than seeing the beauty in the difference in people, it was like, 
ah, difference, therefore must be trauma, therefore must be oppressor. Yeah. Um, and say this this narrative as well as uh, um, cognitive framework for understanding society mm-hmm. was ultimately causing separation where and not causing healing. It wasn't leading to healing. It was it was leading right. to division and to and that and this particular I thought this particular student was very articulate. They said it's evident in this group in this group right now where some of us in this group are angry about stuff that we've never experienced that has nothing to do with our lives that is isn't even relevant to this country or culture mm-hmm. um and is largely irrelevant in most places in the world with maybe the exception of the United States in terms of its history right um in that the United States has um one of the few countries in the world where people that were enslaved ended up becoming part of the the demographic of the culture mm-hmm. whereas in many countries that's not the case mm-hmm. and in many places in the world that's not happened at all mm-hmm. and yet that was like the most but as we saw in that slide they were talking about the kkk and confederate flags mm-hmm. i was like we don't have that in england not in the, is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the likelihood of a league of like of a black british person for example coming in saying that they'd been you know were worried about lynching or or mm-hmm. It's it's seen a Confederate flag in London is like yeah. zero. It yeah. doesn't happen. So it, there was an irrelevance of content that they were saying that this is really not our content. So how do we make this about our culture or, or what we're going to be doing with our clients? Well, it also um, sounds like it's completely it it's so in stark contrast to this transpersonal philosophy that you've been studying, in which mm-hmm. um things, adverse events in life were turned into opportunities for spiritual growth. And here, instead, you're looking at every single possible adverse thing as, as like, what, what would you call that? It's like a source of, I don't know, pain Um, to be recognized. What, what would you, how would you contrast that? Okay, that's a really interesting question. I'm glad you asked it. So yeah, in the, training prior to this particular weekend um adverse events were see understood as being extremely painful um as being you know the source of kind of maybe barriers to growth mm-hmm. um but our experience of meeting and re-meeting those events over and over in inside of ourselves and mm-hmm. um we're presenting the opportunity to to break through that and go beyond it um, so you could look at those as being teachers in in, in a way of, of teachers for personal growth. Um, lessons would be better, I'd say. Okay. Um, and and that was unique to each individual. And then that changed to become those experiences are evidence of social injustice mm-hmm. that we need to focus on a change in society. Mm-hmm. rather than even considering the client's need for their own their own healing or growth their own healing in yeah. this growth in this moment yeah. i mean you could argue both if you if you wanted to i guess you could argue both some in some cases you know i mean let's not beat around the bush racism does exist sexism does does exist a lot of these things do exist right uh, and and really need to be met and changed in the world 
There's no doubts about that at all. And I would never argue against that until it till they don't exist. And that would be the only point I would stop. <laughs> so um, so yes, you know, there will be times when somebody's experience is because of of let's say racism as an example. Um, but in in even in that case, mm -hmm. there is at least two things that, that could be addressed. One, how does that individual heal? Yeah. from those experiences right and um, how do those experiences uh, is it possible for those experiences to become something that can be a launching pad for growth mm -hmm. or at the very least can somebody heal so they don't have to relive the impact of that experience for the rest of their life mm -hmm. okay and that's the role of the counselor right in my understanding therapy is to help with that right another thing is if this is evidence of something greater a, a social injustice mm -hmm. um how can that be addressed? Well, that isn't the role of the counsellor, at least as a counsellor. If I'm a counsellor and I want to address social justice, then uh, I can do so outside of the counselling room mm -hmm. in, in my own time uh, as a free human being to, to do so. But in the, in the room, mm -hmm. my primary concern, the way I we were taught and what I understood was to help that person right. be able to heal and have a fuller, more enjoyable life with more growth mm -hmm. um, and perhaps then even they will be able to contribute more to solving some of these social issues yeah because you could do a lot better when you're strong than yeah. you can when you're growing, right mm -hmm. so it was for me it was about the healing and 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 if it, if if in that process i learned more about some of the problems in society then i can take that away and, and maybe do something about that in my own time but that's not what I should be doing in the room. I right. certainly shouldn't be putting that as the primary and their health as secondary, which yeah. is how it felt like it was framed. Um, so that was a major, major difference. Like it no longer felt like the individual mattered. So it's just yeah. that their experience would be something that I could use politically. And and when you say like that, that role that you could, choose to take on you could choose to learn more about society and, and advocate for change whatever in whatever way you feel called to do shouldn't belong mm -hmm. in the room with the, the client did you feel like they were redefining your job there I, I'm that's kind of a clumsy phrasing sorry but how how did you feel like because uh, from my experience in our in our program it very mm -hmm. much felt like I was to use my client as an opportunity to sort of re-educate this individual to send them out to to sort of spread this ideology that was the way it felt was each person is is an opportunity for access in order to share these ideas and these ways of thinking and in hopes that they would sort of metastasize throughout the culture that that was my takeaway and and i don't want to assume that that was yours i just want to Put that out there and, and ask you what what are your thoughts on that what did it seem like for you um for me i don't it felt primarily that mm -hmm. we were to understand and interpret the pain or suffering or mm -hmm. trauma of the, of the client um their their reasons for being there has mm -hmm. been um only caused by social injustice based on identity okay and that there were no other causes present mm -hmm. that we should take all of the skills that we had learned 
um, from clinical or spiritual approaches mm -hmm. to psychotherapy mm -hmm. and reinterpret them through these political lenses and support um this is quite this is the bit where actually i got a bit lost in what they wanted from us because it didn't it wasn't very clear yeah but we were to understand the client through these political lenses okay. um interpret everything through these political lenses um and then act accordingly or act in we were to support the client through these same lenses so okay. yes we would be if if the client was looking for an interpretation of their experience mm. prior to this training course i might consider what i know about the client what i know about their character as a person mm -hmm. um so far um whether they have a spiritual lens or not Mm -hmm. and then just kind of sort through all of the different tools available to see if anything I had would help them make sense of mm -hmm. what had happened mm -hmm. um that leaves us many many different interpretations yeah the and seek the ones that would fit them would most easily be understood or accepted mm -hmm. to the client in terms of their own framing of the world yeah so it's a very spiritual person I might use a spiritual lens yeah but someone that was like kind of maybe very cognitive I, I might use a very psychological lens to help them try to understand something but all I'd be offering was like um maps to the territory you know like, yeah here's so a great work maybe you could use this yeah mm -hmm. many different potential ways to talk about these things based on yeah. all of these different things you'd studied and trained in and and tailored to that individual based on their worldview yeah um and they were all rooted in psychology or spirituality mm -hmm. um with the psychology they were all things that had been kind of like clinically or uh tested over time yeah or at least there was demonstrable evidence that there was a level of um fit to reality mm -hmm. um so that these models could be relied upon not entirely because it's psychology it's not hard science mm -hmm. um but they were good enough to be workable yeah and, and they weren't rigidly applied so that if it didn't fit you just discard it and try something else um so we were also taught that it's okay to make mistakes um so and just work with the client where they are and in, in any moment with the spiritual side of things that was a little different that was much more applicable for someone that held a spiritual understanding themselves we didn't try to introduce that to somebody that doesn't have a spiritual lens Mm -hmm. so with this but with this learning it was like everything is this everything yeah. else you've learned should be funneled into this and this is how you apply it so it become yes it did become a very very narrow and prescriptive mm -hmm. and it didn't leave all of that other learning to be applied um in the way that it'd been learned so we couldn't and and the other thing that disturbed me was that I think this probably disturbed me the most was that these particular lenses haven't been tested in mm -hmm. in the real world mm -hmm. we haven't had a decade of critically apply or critical theory therapy to see whether it works mm -hmm. you know, it, it might it might work I don't believe it does but it might work right but you'd only know that over time instead we would you know 
led to feel we must believe that this is how it is mm -hmm. even though there's no history of any evidence to support this and forget the 100 years of effective psychoanalysis mm -hmm. that can only now work if applied through this particular political lens mm -hmm. but by the end of the course when everyone was pretty revved up and emotional and there were a lot of tears and a lot you know um a lot of virtue signaling at that point we was told to you know stand by our clients and put our boots on the ground and then it it was like disturbingly um political yeah. and i lived in china for a long time so i've seen disturbing political appears <laughs> and i was like this resonates very strongly with wow. um you know some of the things i saw in china like anti-japan day and stuff like that oh wow wow so where you're really called to action with emotional language and an invitation towards aggression or violence That's um a righteous invitation towards aggression i would say um, what, what was your experience in the program like after that after that training um i quit okay. i quit the program um i wrote a letter to the college to explain that um I could read a bit of it to you if you like. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to name the college because I still have a lot of respect for the people there. Um, but and then I don't know what this current state of the college is. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to speak to that. But um, I wrote that it's with a heavy heart that I'm writing to notify you of my de decision to withdraw from study. After spending years saving to return. Um, it's been a very difficult decision, but I feel it's necessary for me to remain congruent with my values. Um, as I've written that the weekend was not about alchemy and individuation. It only had a brief reference to alchemy in the second lecture. It was critical theory and postmodern identity politics. Um, I wrote that critical theory approaches to therapy do not have any empirical evidence of beneficial outcomes. Uh, in fact, evidence supports that these approaches are damaging to clients and in particular to the therapeutic relationship, which I understand. And it's been very strongly evidence that the therapeutic relationship is the key to success in therapy. And, and actually, whatever school of therapy you studied is less relevant, mm -hmm. which was quite, quite nice that we got to study all the different schools because it was like, well, it doesn't really matter which one, yeah. <laughs> whatever works with the client. It's yeah. about the relationships with the client that really helps. Yeah. Um, I wrote that critical theory leads to catastrophizing, mm -hmm. such as microaggressions, all or nothing thinking, such as systemic thinking or blackness defined as what whiteness is not, because that was the language used in the training. Um, emotional reasoning and standpoint epistemology, saying that lived experience is greater than evidence and reality checking. Mm -hmm. um, also things like mind reading, because there was assumptions of unconscious bias being brought in and universal prejudice. And I don't believe that prejudice is universal at all. Mm -hmm. I think it's more individual. Um, and that there was a lack of individual agency for clients that were not white or male or heterosexual. Um, so it removed agency. But I said most of all, what was most disappointing was the missed opportunity to explore very important and sensitive topics such as diversity, inclusion, equality, racism, sexism, and other prejudices in a rational and diverse way. 
um, we can have a balance of approach um, or reference to individual prejudice based on insecurity, self-contempt and overcompensation, which is where a lot of prejudice comes from. Mm. People are prejudiced because of their own insecurities and traumas. Um, largely, I'm not going to try to claim that I know this for all people. That would be ridiculous. For me That's to say a really so. wonderful um, argument. You're you're laying out really uh, logical and calm and direct opposition to what they were teaching. It's it's a wonderful letter. Thank you. So, what was the? Yeah. Is there? What was the response? There was, there was a lot more of it, but oh, um, oh, yeah, no, I don't mean to cut yeah. you off. If you want to keep going, no, that's fine. But there was one quote that I I took from Edward Edinger's Anatomy of the Psyche, which is uh, a book about alchemy, because that was what the weekend was called, alchemy. So Edinger said, um, a group collective can easily attract the projection of the self and swallow up the individual who succumbs to it identification with political parties or religious creeds would be examples of solutio within a group so solutio is that kind of watering the washing away of the individual into so what i was describing was the actual experience of the weekend using alchemy as being one where politics was used to swallow up the individual and create a collective formed around a particular idea which is the exact opposite of what all yeah, of our training yeah that's just that highlights um, the sort of the hypocrisy of it yeah so I, I ended up by saying um i cannot in good faith fund an organization that teaches divisive and unproven identity politics and political activism to its student body um and that they no longer represent their core values as an organization mm -hmm. um so i i wrote the letter i sent it in I contacted my peers, my trainer, um, my tutor, my supervisor, and explained that I would be leaving the course. Um, and I wanted to say thanks and goodbye to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I was then contacted by my year lead that um, he invited me to come and have a conversation. Who was with it? Uh, the year lead. So each year within year the program, oh, okay. year lead. Okay. So yeah, someone with a really good understanding of all of the material taught in that particular year. Mm -hmm. um, and he invited me to come and speak to the founder and owner of the course, um, the gentleman that taught about spirituality. Um, mm -hmm. um, so I went to meet him uh i was a little nervous and i i i kind of expected some strong pushback um mm. but he sat down and he said oh i completely agree with everything you've said in your letter he says i'm really glad you wrote it he said um you're exactly right wow this is this isn't therapy wow um i was like yeah i was wow too i was sitting there yeah. i mean i was quite in awe of this guy i'd seen him work a few times and i was just blown away by him yeah um bit idolized him a little bit yeah. to be in a room thing was like quite a big deal for me I bet for him to say that kind of blew me away and then I was thinking so how did this happen why is this happening then yeah <laughs> so I asked him like then why did you put this weekend on yeah and he said that um so in the UK um training courses for counseling and therapy are generally accredited by one of two large bodies 
And these two large bodies, they're not regulators because we're not regulated, but they accredit courses. Um, and then uh, if you complete an accredited course, you can become a member. So they're also membership organizations. They then run like lists of members. Mm -hmm. So the public can select a therapist that has met a certain standard of training, has insurance. It's as, as close as we get to licensing. Okay. Without actually licensing, because it's kind of informal membership orientated licensing. Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of power over courses, course content, and who gets to be recognized as a counselor and who doesn't. If you're not on one of their lists, it would be very hard to convince anybody that you're a counselor. So it's a it's a it's an important professional network and an important credential for you if you want to be taken seriously and attract clients. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mo most people I know that um, are on either of these two major bodies lists get most of their clients through them. Mm. Um, so it's like a kite mark or a stamp mark of approval of quality. Yeah. Um, and so um, this particular course that I was on was accredited by the highest standard of of the or the highest of these two of these major bodies in in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, that particular body, it's called the UKCP, yeah. had told the course provider that they had to include a weekend around diversity, um, diversity or DEI. So I just mm -hmm. say that that. Um, and that they were sending an external consultant to come in and help them put that together. And the external consultant isn't from a therapeutic background or a psychological background. The ex he told me that the external consultant arrived and just said, you're all racist. That, oh. that was like their opening gambit. Um, and this is how you're going to deal with it. Oh and God. basically told them how the course had to be structured. Um, and then they found willing people within the, the, um, faculty that already supported these ideas to put the course together okay. that was then vetted to make sure it fit the accrediting body's view of what should be taught okay um the guy that runs the course said i tried to warn them but they were even his own faculty weren't listening and i'm worried actually that maybe now he's not even in charge of the place anymore oh wow um, okay and that th this was basically cultural marxism um, and would be divisive and doesn't fit what we teach mm -hmm. um, and he said but the only way they could see that was by actually running the course mm -hmm. and getting a letter like this and but unfortunately I think I was the only person that oh really that really voiced anything um, so, so you don't so know he if said your letter had the impact on them beyond him well at the time he said we're not going to run this course again and we're oh. going to leave this accrediting body. Okay. Um, but that hasn't happened. Mm. Um, um, I don't think it's something they can do seriously and maintain their organization. They'd have to find another accrediting body of which there are very few. Mm. And all of the accrediting bodies in the UK um, are supportive of this same lens the same political ideology lens so if they had changed to a different accrediting body they would have been required to deliver the same type of content in some way or another i wonder if there's potential for schools that are that are agree with this uh this founder 
to band together and create an alternative certification process? I guess that's a potential. It was something that um, the CTA were trying to explore with him mm -hmm. at that time when it was really fresh. Mm -hmm. um, I tried to put them together, but it never really took, they, the contact never really occurred. And I knew he was close to considering retiring anyway. Mm -hmm. um, he asked if I would stay on the course. And I, to be honest, at that point, I was so put off by what was being taught and by the fact that the majority of the student body seemed to either stand behind it or not be willing to stand against it, that I, I just lost any sense of wanting to be a therapist. I was just wow. bitterly, bitterly disappointed. Wow. Um, and I couldn't bear the idea of pretending things weren't the way they were yeah or being honestly that being completely or feeling completely isolated as being the only person that stood against it yeah in any way or tried to offer a rational conversation about it because mm -hmm. I wasn't I was finding very very little occasion I say maybe four out of 48 people yeah um I spoke to the other people that the other three or four people mm -hmm. um they all said they were just going to get on with the course they were yeah mm. so I said okay that's fine that's your choice I made a decision to go into an alternative route of helping people okay so I'm working with another psychotherapist who has been um been a psychotherapist for like 25 years mm -hmm. um, and was also trained in a postmodern school and and they've said even they've had enough of it and they can't do it anymore so we're forming a, a consultancy to help millennials millennial entrepreneurs that are living with anxiety and feeling very lonely and struggling to to make it in the world to apply psychology as well as business skills to help people um, overcome those mm -hmm. challenges and um contribute in the world in a bigger sense um so we want to work with people that are you know developing businesses that are going to be have some kind of positive impact in the world mm -hmm. um but who are struggling to do that and need the sort of psychological emotional cognitive support to get through it so it's going to be delivering it Okay. Uh, yeah it's yeah. very exciting it meet some very oh, very interesting people so um people with ideas are just like way beyond anything i would ever come up with it was like visionary types of people um and also meeting visionary types of people and realizing that they're, they're just as uh messed up as the rest of us and yeah. need the same sort of help and support that we all need so it brings it back to that so what was I was speaking about at the beginning, like now I'm getting an opportunity to really genuinely employ that deeper spiritual lens that mm -hmm. that we've we've all got our ghosts and our demons to deal with, mm -hmm. and we're all fundamentally these kind of beautifully rich beings, mm -hmm. um, but our experiences are are vastly different. And so we often appear vastly different. And actually, underneath it all, like we share this very deep and um, beautiful thing, which is, to me is best expressed as humanity. Mm -hmm. right? 
the human the human being within all of us is the thing that ties us together that we lean into that we find support mm-hmm. and you can find support from someone in terms of diversity that is different to you in every single way mm-hmm. it really doesn't make any difference when when you see beyond the differences and then then you can celebrate and and kind of like marvel in the difference uh, in the beauty of the difference mm-hmm. rather than see it as being um uh, in, indicative of some oppressive injustice somewhere although right. sometimes it will be right right yeah well i'm so glad things. you were able to sort of pivot and reclaim your your purpose and continue working in that in that way to help people despite the setback yeah once i'd realized that um a place as beautiful as where i trained was cajoled into teaching something that they fundamentally didn't believe in Mm -hmm. themselves because of the pressure to even maintain existence as an organization yeah you know they could have lost their accreditation which would have made their course valueless Mm -hmm. to its student body and it would have had to close down Mm -hmm. so it was either it was do or die do this or or diversity inclusion and equity will kill you um (laughs) so and and so they you know um took the knee i guess you know and 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 did it and then i realized that well if i did go through the course and i did qualify i would need to be accredited myself or listed myself by Mm -hmm. these very organizations and they're most likely to ensure that this type of teaching is a continuous part of what's called continuous professional development yeah which is ongoing training mm-hmm. in order to maintain membership mm-hmm. so i just thought this isn't the arena for me to do you what i'm going to get do. away from it if you not so one. easily no yeah. and, and until i go off and work for myself and become a consultant coach mentor mm-hmm. combination of words like that yeah um and that means i get to sort of kind of pull in decades of like you know blue chip experience and mm-hmm. even in China and all sorts of different stuff that is of value to people when when properly sorted and applied to their individual experience and need mm-hmm. rather than broad strokely applied to anybody I see <laughs> so yeah so I'm happy now like but yeah it was a hard it was a hard few years well um, it's very painful it sounds like like to to sort of sum up like you you had your own experiences in therapy that were so profound and so life-changing and, and wonderful to you that you wanted to be able to, to do that for other people. You found a calling there. And, and when you did that, you, you started out in this program and found it to be just as beautiful as you imagined it would. And you, you felt really energized by it and, and were loving the path you were on. And then when you were forced to take a a little break due to financial reasons, you had to take some time off. You came back and found the program changed. You found influences in the program that had previously not been apparent to you, both in the terms of the student um, the student mindset and also it crept in in this, this one, it culminated in this one big training where they were teaching you things that were just fundamentally in stark contrast and complete opposition to everything that that you were hoping to gain from this course and everything that they'd promised to be teaching 
Hmm. And so um, the letter that you wrote was so, it was well-crafted and it, it laid out a very logical and clear argument against this training. The, the head of the program took it so seriously that he invited you to speak with him and shared that he agreed with you. And yet it's sort of like this blackmail, like you have to do this. You have to corrupt your own program with this thing that you think is, is harmful and divisive and you don't agree with, or else you can't keep your accreditation. And so basically your, everything that you've worked to build is gonna crumble if you don't allow us to insert our, our teaching into your program. And for you, it was just too much. On principle, you had to leave the program. And, and so there, and, and you gave up your opportunity to go into that field in that way. And that's a huge loss because you were really loving that. You really were excited for it and, and saw a future for yourself. But you've been able to be creative and find an alternative way to use your skills and your desire to help people and you're crafting something outside the system for yourself yeah i think it's summary? really it's an excellent summary yeah you'd make a great therapist um, <laughs> um to be able to pay attention for that long year or coach or mentor <laughs> um so yeah, thank you. I, that, was a, that was a wonderful summary. It helps me see clearly that experience again. So I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I do believe that um, there are lots of opportunities mm -hmm. to build alternatives to the sort of incumbent systems mm -hmm. and that the, those alternatives, if built carefully with love and with integrity, um, will have an opportunity to grow and attract people to them to the point where they eclipse what is you know incumbent and current mm -hmm. um i think history has shown you know the evolution of culture over time and society over time shows that things can change mm -hmm. and often that isn't about destroying what exists mm -hmm. it's about building something um alternative that is more suitable and offers more value mm -hmm. so i'm going to do that but it's got a choice build or destroy i'd rather build than destroy so that's brilliant do you have any recommendations or um links or or anything you'd like to tell people about places where you have writing or um anything you would recommend broadly um i can yeah i could probably um find some good book titles there's that i could share um there is a particular sufi book that i felt was absolutely fundamental to my understanding of the training and it's really short and easy to read um isra khan but i forget the title so okay. if we do you it can as send links, me any links and i'll put them in the show in the notes of this episode that would be wonderful. And I will, in that case, I'll share um, a Medium blog that okay. I've been writing, which is about um, basically how to separate, how to prevent self-deception mm -hmm. through separating sort of signal from noise in, in an environment where there's a lot of information, 
a lot of information that is contra to its to other other information that leaves you in a position of like where do i go with this okay. um so it's dealing with things like cognitive bias and heuristics and mm -hmm. just kind of lays out a structure of what these things are and how you might engage in improving your ability to make sense in a world that's decreasingly <laughs> making sense for many of us yes um yeah that maybe that would be helpful for people yeah, well, feel free to send me that and I'll just put everything in the notes under the um, under the video on YouTube. Okay, so, wonderful. I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. Neil, thank you so much for speaking with me and for sharing this story. I think it's a great illustration of how how things are changing and how they're impacting people in this way. Thank you. Now, I appreciate the time and the opportunity um, and just wish you luck with everything that you're doing. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank All you. right, take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.